I have a theory that if you love something, you believe in it, and you live it. The people who are looking for that will find you. And when you feel good, you do good. You give out of a place in your heart that is from a place of healing. So you want to give when you feel good. It's just a natural byproduct of joy. You're listening to The Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now, the farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Dirt Podcast, and welcome to 2022. Happy New Year. We're so excited to be back after taking a couple of weeks off, and we're really excited about sharing today's interview with you. So now we're a couple of weeks past the winter solstice, and we're already seeing a few more minutes of light at the end of the day. It's really amazing how quickly it happens and how when you are really tuned into it, you can feel it. I think the animal world is especially connected to it. Those of you that have chickens will know that when the days are the shortest, the hens really slow down and the egg supply dwindles, but they'll pick up as the days get longer. I wonder how many humans notice that extra two minutes of light or however long it is every day. So on another note, did you see old Bafana streaking across the sky on her broom? the other night? Well, I wish I had, but I didn't. I can't say that I did. But I do remember you telling her story on the New Year's Day podcast last year. For anyone who missed that awesome episode, we will link it in the show notes and you should definitely give it a listen. Old Buffon's story is so fun and it's all about Epiphany and Epiphany just began yesterday. Yes, and Epiphany is the season of the liturgical year, which is the church year, that begins on January 6th and it lasts until Lent. In some areas of the world, these weeks are celebrated as carnival. For instance, this is the season of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. All the parties and parades and all of that leading up to Fat Tuesday, which is the day before Ash Wednesday, which is the first day of Lent. Anyway, the word epiphany comes from a Greek word, which means appearance or to show forth or manifest. And as the well-known story goes, three kings from distant lands followed a bright star to the lowly birthplace of Jesus because these wise men had read the signs that foretold the coming of the Holy Child. So the epiphany in the story is not only that the Magi recognized the humble birth as the coming of the promised Messiah, but also their appearance before the Holy Child. In other words, they showed up. Yeah, and that relates to the story of old Bafana who didn't show up when she did have the chance, and she later regretted it. But if you want to hear the whole story, then definitely go listen to the episode. Yeah, and you can decide whether or not you're old Bafana. <laughs> and that idea of an epiphany, I think, is really fitting to our show today. Yes, that's a great segue. So on this episode, 
We are talking to Donna Schwenk of Cultured Food Life, which is an information-packed website and resource all about the benefits of fermented foods and how they reconnect us to our bodies and help us understand how they're designed. When we harness the power of those 100 trillion microbes that our bodies call home, they can heal us in mind, body, and spirit. Donna's website is a wealth of information on the overall benefits of cultured food life and how you can feed and nurture your own microbiome. We really love that this episode is coming up as we move into the season of Epiphany because Donna's journey began with her own epiphany, which you'll hear about. Like the wise men, this wise woman showed up to the wisdom that was presented to her, and she made it her life's work to share her discovery with so many others, including me, leading me to my own revelation about the gift of these foods in my life. So thank you, Donna, for joining us on The Good Dirt. And here she is. are here with Donna Schwenk. Is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Donna Schwenk. Before we get started with interviewing you, I just want to tell you that I'm starstruck here because... Yeah, you're like our celebrity guest. <laughs> we love you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have to tell you, like, you have really, really influenced my life. Aww. And I'm sure people probably tell you this all the time because of what you do. But I'm going to start out with a little story and then you can go into your story. <laughs> So we moved out to this little farm about 10 years ago, and we ended up with this calf, sick calf. It had been separated from its mom, and I had no idea what to do with it, being a newbie at all this. So I got on the phone, and I was calling all around, and got hold of somebody said, the only way that calf is going to survive is for you to get it raw milk. And I'm like, raw milk? Yeah, what is that? And um, calling around, long story short, is I you know did a deep dive into the world of raw milk and found out how difficult it is to get it. It's illegal many places, and you know the reason why it is and all of this. So long story short, somewhere along the line, I ran across your website, culturedfoodlife.com, talking about kefir cultured. And I thought, I bet if that raw milk is cultured, then it would be safer for me. I'll back up a little bit. Got the raw milk for the calf. I thought, I want to drink this. You know, it looks so good. It sounds so good. And I wrote you and I said, "Is it? does it make it safer if it's cultured? And you wrote back and really helped me. And your website is wealth of information. So just fast forward, I started getting raw milk for us. And I started making kefir. And I make kefir constantly now. This has been several years, you know, eight years, I guess. And I love it. It's a daily part of my life. I think it's made a huge difference in my health. My husband loves it. How the calf do? Is the calf okay? Calf no. did not make it, but the calf's gift to me was the kefir. Oh, and wow. obviously you don't have to have raw milk, but that was sort of my entree into it was like, I thought it was a way to make the raw milk safer for us. You know, I did have a lady that had a cow. This was really very early in the beginning when I was doing kefir. Mm-hmm. And she got a, cat, a baby calf like you did. She gave a keeper. Yeah. And became one of their healthiest cows. But it was really struggling. And yeah. uh, I was surprised by that because I didn't know, you know, we could do that or that it would help it. But it's Yes. Fine. I never thought of that. But that was, that was something that was really interesting. I have a lot of animal stories on my website, too. I have yeah. a lot of stuff. And I have a lot of animal stories, especially dogs, about when they, them, 
they give them keeper. So many things have turned around, especially uh, with kidneys. Mm-hmm. And animals that are really suffering, kefir seems to just turn them around. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's on my website. The people send in testimonies, and uh, animals are one of the biggest ones that they send in on how well it helps with kefir. So, so I'm doing kefir for years and years, and also have followed your lead with many, many other fermented things. And I refer to your website so often. And I am one of your members. I forget what you call oh, it. Botic Pro. Yeah. Yeah. And your, awesome. your recipes are seemingly endless. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> like, I give out like so many recipes every month to my memory. Like you do. Month 47 in one of the books. And I add to them all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? But I do this. This is what I, I mean, I, I this way. So mm-hmm. I have these recipes I actually doing it. Cause a lot of people will say, oh, you should do this, but they don't really live the lifestyle. Well, we do. <laughs> so yeah. That's why I have so many recipes because I've been doing it for 20 years. So it's, um, it's just how we live. So, and they're fun and they're easy. They're, you know, I try to make it easy so that people find it accessible. It's so accessible, so approachable. And, but we'll back up a little bit and let you, I want you to tell your story. I know your story because I've followed you for so long, but for you to tell your story to our listeners and, and how you kind of came into this whole world, it's a really good story. And I, I think a lot of people can relate to it. So you introduce yourself and what you do and, and go for it. I'm Donna Schwink, and I'm the founder of culturedfoodlife.com if you're interested. But um, many years ago, I was, let's see, how long ago was this? 21 years ago. I found myself pregnant. I was 40 at the time. I found myself pregnant with my third child, much to my surprise. So uh, I blame my husband for that, by the way. So I was shocked to be <laughs> it is his 40 fault. and pregnant. It was 100% his fault. <laughs> so, anyway, um, he said it better be my fault. <laughs> we had our third child, but um, I got really sick with her. They delivered her like eight weeks early to save my life because my liver was shutting down. And I had this brand new baby and I'm like, I am 40 right now. And when she's 18 or 19, I'm going to be almost 60, which I am right, 61 right now. And I thought I feel horrible and I want to live and help raise this baby and be healthy. And um, I had diabetes, I had high blood pressure. They had gone away. I got them when I was pregnant and then it went away, but then it came back after I had her. And I was just miserable laying on the couch. And I can remember feeling really desperate. And I can remember every day I would walk around the house and go, help us on the way, not meant to live this way. Something will change. I just started praying every day, all day long, constantly reaching out. I wasn't meant to live this way. This is not the norm. And about two weeks later, I was in a health food store and I grabbed two books off a shelf. One was Body Ecology by Donna Gates. The other was Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. And I sat down in a chair to read it. And when I sat down, one of the books opened and it opened to this page on Kiefer and I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then I opened the second book and it too opened to a page and at the top of the page it said Kiefer. And I was kind of startled. I'm like, first of all, I've never heard of this. I love this. (laughs) Right at that moment, a store employee was walking by and he, he looked over at me and he saw me and he came over and he stood in front of me and he said, you know what? That's one of the most important books you'll ever read. You should really pay attention. Oh my gosh. And I was... I was like, okay. And so I bought both of those books and I went to an employee and asked him where this kefir drink stuff was. Bought one, started drinking it, started giving a teaspoon to my daughter, who was like 10 months old at the time. Start putting in her milk. And in three weeks, my husband came into the living room holding my daughter and he said, Donna, Holly's gained six pounds 
in three weeks. And that's really a lot for a preemie, a lot. Wow. And there was color in her cheek and she had been sleeping through the night. She wasn't throwing up anymore. She just transformed. And then about a week later, um, I was in the kitchen and I had been drinking it too. And I was in the kitchen, I was doing dishes. And all of a sudden I looked out the window and I found myself in my front yard filling up all my bird feeders. And that may not seem like a big deal to most people, but to me, it was huge. I felt so good. And weeks before, I didn't give a rip about those birds. They could get their own food. I didn't care about them, but I felt so good. I wanted to care for them. Yeah. And I remember that the grass was greener and I heard birds singing and it literally felt like the whole universe had shifted. And I felt like this sense of well-being that I had never known, never. And I didn't know what happened to me. And my blood pressure had normalized. My diabetes went away. And I didn't know what happened. But I knew it was because of this thing I was drinking. There wasn't a lot of research. So I had to feed my daughter a lot because she was a preemie. So I was up in the middle of the night a lot feeding her. And I would feed her with one arm and research with the other because I wanted to know what was in this drink, what had it done to me, and how had this happened to both of us? And it just snowballed from there. And now research has caught up with some of the things that I've learned. Um, there's a lot more research now than there was back in those days. But this drink that has 50 plus probiotics in it, um, yogurt usually has three to seven, yeah. Kefir has 50 plus, had transformed my entire microbiome in a way that allowed enzymes in my stomach to work to help neutralize my blood sugar to normalize that and I see that a lot in my work a lot of people with type 2 diabetes and things like that it really helps balance out your blood sugar my CPA was one of my first example and she had such a dramatic change in her blood sugar numbers that her doctor said I don't know what that drink does but keep drinking it because <laughs> <Wow. laughs> when yeah. she would go off of it it would change and with the blood pressure Oh, one out of three people, it works like an ACE inhibitor drug, uh, an enzyme in the stomach to naturally lower blood pressure. It doesn't do it on everybody, but for me, it worked and I didn't understand why. So, you know, 20 years later, I am still learning. I am still loving it. And I live this lifestyle, my family and I, I mean, I just, I just had kefir, like I'm on the, on the West coast. So um, I had kefir a couple hours ago for breakfast. I do it every single morning because I really, really do love it. But I also, when something makes you well, you pay attention and you keep doing it. And I've done experiments where I've stopped it yeah. and I wound up getting, off, I wound up having problems. Like I got the cold, I got a flu for the first time in a long time and things like that. When I went back on, it all went away. And you know what? It's such an amazing journey because I never expected this to be for my answer to come in the form of food. Mm -hmm. I just didn't expect it. You know, I'd be praying for answers to the problems and the struggles that I was having with my daughter, but it was the perfect thing for me because I'm, I'm a foodie. I love it, but it came with billions of probiotics in my jar, fermenting this, you know, whether it's dairy or non-dairy milk, making billions of probiotics in this drink. That is the easiest thing in the world to make. And it's one of those things that it's, you know, you can give these grains to your friends and they'll last your lifetime and they'll Go to your children's children's children if you take care of them. It's sustainable. It's something that is has been so life-changing. And I sit from this place because I'm so glad I got sick. So yeah. thankful for that. Because what if I hadn't? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because not only did it change my health, it changed my entire life. I didn't want to write a book or have a website. Are you kidding? I was like, you're out of your mind. I wouldn't want to do that. But because I felt so good and people kept asking me, I got to the point where I couldn't tell them no anymore. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell because they wanted my help. And I was so grateful that I was well, that it just spilled out for me. And I have a theory 
that um, if you love something, you believe in it, and you live it, people who are looking for that will find you. And when you feel good, you do good. You give out of a place in your heart that is from a place of healing. So you want to give when you feel good. It's just a natural byproduct of joy. And so that's how I'm here. Oh my goodness. So many things I want to comment on, but a little bit about the chronology of your getting into this whole thing. So you, you were in the bookstore and you saw the books about kefir and you bought them and you said, then you went and bought some kefir. At what point did you start making it? Within the week I started making it. Okay. And then where did you get your grains? See, I got my grains from you. I got them from a guy in Australia named Dom years ago and he was one of the only ones that had a really big website on kefir and he knew a lot about kefir i don't think he's with us anymore i think he's passed on but he had a supplier i think in texas or something because it was hard to find them yes 20 years ago wow and i still have those those are the original grains Yes. That I have, I've never, they've never died. I've just, they re- they double in size every week on your grains do. So I have, you know, I sell them on my site now. I mean, I, I've given away thousands of kefir grains and uh, they are the gift that keeps on giving. So they, and you just put them in your milk, put a little on and let it sit for 24 hours. The next day you have kefir. So same with me. I've given away many, many grains. I got my grains originally from you. You were the only person I ever, I learned about kefir grains from you. You're the only source I knew about probably some others now. And since then I, I have been able to locate them at some of the Amish farms around in the area. A lot of them are doing that, which is thrilling to me. Oh, yeah. I've supplemented those original grains. Their babies are all still there, I'm sure. So anyway, more about kefir later, because I have a lot to say about kefir. But you got into other kinds of fermentation, too. So how did you segue into the kombucha and the fermented foods? And then now it all comes together into this cultured food life operation. My daughter baked my uh, preemie. She was, I had two older kids. I had a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. And around that time, my 16-year-old kind of got IBS syndrome. And I took her to the doctor and they said, well, we could take her gallbladder out. And I'm <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? You could just see it if it helps? <laughs> That's like major surgery. What are you talking about? Because she had all these symptoms and all these food allergies and all these problems. And I'm like, I can figure out something better than this. I mean, because she was having a lot of stomach distress every time she ate. And um, there was this one lady that I talked to that knew a lot about fermented foods. I'm trying to remember who that was. I can't remember who it was, but it was a long time because she said, you know what I would do? I would give her a cultured food and see how she does. And I had just started making cultured vegetables and kombucha. I had just started to try making those because they were fermented foods. So I had them. I gave her one at every meal. She had kombucha for lunch, let's a tablespoon of, of uh, cultured vegetables for lunch and dinner, just a spoonful. She'd keep her for breakfast, uh, sometimes in between meals, but she had one. So every time she ate something, she had a cultured food that helped her digest her food. And within three weeks, her stomach stuffed her. And within two months, her food allergies started going away. And in a year, she could eat anything and all of her symptoms were gone. And I didn't know why that happened. I do now. Now I understand what happened. But she had been on a lot of antibiotics for sinus infections and things. And she also had been doing a lot of uh, low-carb foods that basically was stripping her of fiber, which feeds your microbiome. So you've got to eat a lot of vegetables if you're going to do low-carb because your your microbes start to starve. And so then the pH in your gut changes, and then they start to eat the lining of your um, stomach, to, and it causes leaky gut syndrome and IBS. Long story short, when you have cultured foods, it helps you digest the foods you eat with it, but it also puts that probiotic back in, or those strains of bacteria that you're missing, that the antibiotics killed, that are causing the food allergies. 
because now I have research after research after research that a lot of food allergies are caused by overuse of antibiotics or a bad diet, and you're missing certain strains of bacteria. I'm actually doing a whole article about that this week. Another one, this is like my fourth one, but this is a new, some new insight into it and new research. But I have helped thousands of people come overcome food allergies just by replacing that bacteria that they're missing. So, I mean, we demonize the food and say it's the wheat or the dairy or whatever food yeah. it is, but I really think it's the strains of bacteria that we've killed in our guts that are allowing us to develop these food allergies. So the kombucha and the, key, the cultured vegetables, I really developed, started doing them to help my older daughter. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved them and it was life-changing. And uh, there's so much I could say about those two foods because each one of them has different strains of probiotics that the others don't have. And they do different things. And they're so important. In kombucha, there's Saccharomyces boulardii, which is one of the most used probiotic yeast in all the world, even in doctors. Um, It's the most researched of all probiotics. It is so powerful for so many ailments. And then cultured vegetables, lactobacillus plantarum, is just one of the most powerful cultured, I mean, species of bacteria that you can have, but it doesn't last very long in the body. It only lasts three to four days. But when it does stay in there, if you have it every few days, it basically takes pathogens and takes them out of the body that it's accumulated in. It's very, very powerful. Anyway, each one does something different. Each one I love for different reasons, but each one has healed somebody in my family. And I just did it to help somebody. And that's what happened. I'll add here that you call it the trilogy, the fermented foods, the kombucha, and the kefir. And you have implemented these things into your own life. And you have created this really information-packed website to help anybody do this easily without much money. Just something people can do. It's very sustainable, too. It doesn't, you don't even have to use organic vegetables to make cultured vegetables because the pesticides and chemicals are eaten out by the fermentation. So it's so easy to do, but people are very, very afraid of it because they're afraid they're going to make themselves sick and act sick. And actually fermented foods are safer than raw foods because the good bacteria dominates and keeps out pathogens. Botulism is a scientific impossibility because you're not eating your foods. So that can't happen. But because there's so much good bacteria in these foods, it's not just me saying this. Even the, um, I have articles on my website stated from the government that there's some of the safest foods you can consume. Mm-hmm. You just need to know how to do it. And it's very easy. Yeah, I've heard that. There is a lot of fear around that. And you know, sort of a re-education about it is necessary. Yeah. I have a question. Speaking of re-education, I know at least in my experience in watching my mom go down a similar path to you, thanks to you, it's actually surprisingly hasn't been as easy as I think to convince others. <laughs> like sometimes it's like I call it the kefir talk. Mom does it a lot. <laughs> There's people at the house. <laughs> like I feel like here's the PowerPoint slide. You know, it's just like this thing and. Some people really catch on to it, maybe a small handful of the most of the stories. And this isn't not to like call my mom out or anything. You're a wonderful teacher. But a lot of people don't take care of their grains and they say, oh, "Oh," and they don't get to it. And I mean, I imagine having with the site and everything, the people that are finding you and the people that you're interacting with on the Internet are they're bought in. They're doing it. But I wonder what your experience is with friends and maybe not immediate family. Initially, I gave the grains to my friends and I watched my kids, friends and their kids get well. Yeah. That was thrilling to me because it was doing things that I didn't know I could do. Yeah. 
the first person I gave it to, I wasn't going to tell anybody because people were kind of giving me a hard time about it because they were like, what do you mean fermenting food on your counter? Are you out of your mind? And yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a foreign concept, but there was no way anybody could convince me that these foods weren't powerful because they made me well. So I'm like, I don't care what you say. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody. That didn't work out for me. <laughs> but I remember in the beginning, I thought, so one day I was sitting at, a, I think it was a dance class or a drama class with my daughter. I had homeschooled my kids. I also did that when nobody was doing it. So I was kind of, a, I had a lot of friends who were into things that were unconventional a little bit because we homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And so we were in a drama class and when this little boy was coughing so bad, I thought he was going to lose his lung. I mean, it was just, he had asthma and a cold and I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, you know what? I said, I found this thing that's really helping me and my family. And would you like to try it? And she, of course, was like thrilled. I said, it's just food. It's kind of like yogurt, but stronger. And I said, I started giving it to him. Well, within a week, his asthma calmed down and she started making it and drinking it every day. And they had been doing it for seven months and she kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. And one day her little seven-year-old boy who had the asthma came into the kitchen and he stood by the refrigerator with his hand on the door and he had big crocodile tears rolling down his cheeks. He said, mom, I feel my asthma coming back because you haven't made me my keeper. I need that keeper. It's coming oh. back. Oh my gosh. He had that thing is where he was just sobbing because he could feel that pressure in his chest and stuff. And he knew that that had made him well. And she had quit making it for a while and it started to come back and that convinced her. Mm -hmm. And then my other friend that I told, her daughter had severe, severe food allergies and she got better. And then another friend who had a little boy who wasn't even talking, he was three years old and he had kind of autistic symptoms, but he really wasn't, but he just wasn't developing properly. He had a, a really big belly and a, a large head and he just looked like he wasn't getting, he wasn't getting any nutrition. So she started giving him, and he was allergic to just about everything on the planet. So she started giving him, I told her to try, she tried, I think, five different specialist doctors trying to help him, and nobody could really help him. And so she said, okay, I'm ready to listen. And so she started making coconut kefir. And within nine months, all of his allergies went away. He gained weight. He started talking. He wasn't making sentences. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the year, he was reading, and he was young. He was four. He wasn't even talking the year before. So I knew I was onto something because things were happening that I didn't understand and I didn't know, but I didn't tell a lot of people. And to this day, here's the thing. The people who are ready for this will come to you, but if they're not ready, it will just slide over their heads. They'll think you're a weirdo. Yeah. They'll criticize you. And that happened to me a lot, but I was well, and they were not. And eventually all of them caved and came to me, all of them, everyone, especially the ones who were the hardest on me, they all eventually came to me and started doing it. And I didn't have to say a thing. It's kind of like being a lighthouse. Yeah. You can't fix anybody unless they're ready, yeah. but you can fix yourself. And once they're ready for it, and then life is the best teacher of them all. I didn't have to convince anybody. The food did that. Yeah. You know, my friend's little boy saw it my you know, they all saw in different ways in their life, including my husband and my kids. Kiefer did things for them that didn't necessarily happen to me because I didn't have those problems. But my husband was like, okay, this gets rid of acid reflux. And I go to the, I don't ever get constipated if I have this. So he started doing it because of those things. So one by one, whatever ailment they were having, a lot of times it fixed it. And so I didn't have to convince them the food did that. I always say I'm just the messenger. You know what I'm saying? The people who are ready for this or looking for it will come to you and find you. But if you try to convince a man against his will, he'll, I think Ben Franklin said, he'll be of the same opinion still.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he good... won't hear you. You know, he, they won't hear you. They'll go. Yeah. So, but I kind of got a lot of pleasure through the years to watch all of them one by one come to me. It was pretty, especially the hard ones. That's so cool. Hard on me. Yeah. And that reminded me too, I had a question from earlier back in the very beginning when you first started like taking a little yourself and giving it to your baby. At what point did your husband start drinking it, like way early on? Or was it at first, was it like, this is just a thing for the baby? When I started making a smoothie and he started, of course, I had to make him a smoothie. Yeah. If I made him a smoothie, he drank it. Okay. Okay. So it was pretty early on that he did that because I would just make a double one. Yeah. Now, this morning, like this morning, I said, you want some of this smoothie? I'm, I made too much. No, I already have it. This creates joy in my life. Now I can't act like that's a big deal, but he's been doing that for years where he just, he'll drink it plain, which yeah, I don't even do that. My dad's but the same way. My dad loves the plain one. Yeah. And they like both the, he likes, my son likes the plain one and he likes the plain that's one. Now funny. I do, I have a whole concoction I make. You guys, I make about the same thing every single day because I like it. And I have pomegranate trees here and I have so many pomegranates. And if you've ever tried to get seeds out of pomegranate, it is yeah. So I've been doing a lot of pomegranates and putting them in my keeper, and that's mm. really good. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, but I have a little ritual. That's why I have so many different types that I do. One of my favorites is frozen cherries. Mm. I love that in keeper. So do you blend it? You like immersion blender it all? No, I just put it in a blender, just a high school okay. blend, uh, blend tech or whatever. And how do you sweeten it? You want to know what I do? Okay. I'm a big fan of collagen, and I get vanilla collagen which I love. And I put a scoop of that in there. And then you'll be hearing about, it. I have a new podcast and blog coming out this week. It's really important. It's how to build up the phytobacteria, which is very difficult to do. It's your first bacteria you get as a baby and it's the young bacteria mm-hmm. and it diminishes as you get older, but it's one of the most important ones you'll have because it feeds everything else. Well, kefir feeds it, but if you don't have the strains, you can't really make it grow very well. So I figured out a way to make it grow. And one of the things that it loves is phenol powders, which is just berries that are ground up into powder. And uh, they're very popular. You can get them everywhere. And I put some of that in my keeper smoothie and with the collagen, and I don't have to sweeten it. Those two things. And I tell you what, you talk about energy. Wow. It's phenomenal. And uh, there's a lot of conversation about those things because it's basically fruits and vegetables just condensed to this little powder. And I put it in there, but it sweetens the keeper in such a powerful way. But it makes me feel so good. And I can tell you have to stay tuned to that podcast and to that article. Yeah. I have had huge traumatic change in my energy level since I started building up that phenol bacteria again. So, What's the cool. name of that powder you said? That you- the red phenol powder. It's You can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at your grocery wow. store. You can get it at, um, there's so many brands because it's, it's really uh, popular and it's basically just every kind of berry you can imagine and a few vegetables. Some of them put prebiotics in it, but it's just, you just need a tiny little scoop, but it sweetens that kefir and makes it taste delicious. So I've been doing that for about seven months. <gasps> I'm gonna and get look at my hair. I have to grab my daughter, cut my hair. My hair has grown seven inches from the college. I know. I was going to say, you look, you're so beautiful. You're just like oh. radiant, like... <laughs> Like Honestly, I think that's a lot of that's the keeper. Yeah. Oh I think it keeps me young. Um, I have so much energy. I run circles around my kids who are younger. I just, but I do believe it's because of my gut microbiome. Yeah. Yes. I'm very consistent in what I do because I want to feel good, guys. I can't do what I do if I don't. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Everybody my age wants to retire. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
I feel like a newborn just got started, you know, <laughs> once I started into this stuff, I felt so good mm-hmm. that I wanted to do things before I just laid on the couch. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything. I was exhausted. And the next thing I knew, I had three books out and a website and I didn't plan on any of that. I was fighting against it because I didn't want to do it, but I really wanted people to feel good because I want wellness to be the norm, not the exception. Yeah, definitely. That's not happening anymore. Everybody's scared. Once you understand the power of your own body, what it does and Mm -hmm. how it works, and the more good bacteria you have, the more you build up your immune system because you get more T-help cells because you have more T-cells that fight diseases, pathogens, viruses, everything, the more good bacteria you have. Mm-hmm. And once you know that, those chains fall off. You're not afraid of things. Mm-hmm. Because you understand the power of your own body. It's absolutely amazing. It's unbelievable. You age better. You feel better. This thing that we feel bad as we get older, that's that's not true. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. But people don't believe it, so they don't try. You just mentioned that you run circles around your younger kids. Do they drink kefir? Yes. Okay. But you drink the most more, you drink more than everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Like my daughter will do it. Like it keeps her skin clear. So Mm -hmm. she'll do it every couple of days and then she'll get breakouts if she doesn't do it. So that's why she does it. That's so funny. funny. And my Macy does my oldest daughter. She's 30, I don't know, 35. She drinks it. You know, I should ask her. Yeah. No, she drinks it. Mm-hmm. but I think she's not as consistent as me. She does a lot of kombucha, a lot of cultured vegetables, but I think keeper's the most powerful. So I don't know that she does it every day, but I'm sure she does it at least three or four times a week. My husband does it every day. I know that. Mm-hmm. My son does it just about every day. That's kind of like us. My, I definitely don't drink it as much as my mom, because my mom makes it and has it on hand, and I'm at her house quite a bit, so I drink it when I'm there, but she's like, when are you going to make keeper? I I was, it's so easy. There's no excuses. Well, Here's the thing too, like I do it as a dessert, like I'll yeah. take frozen and I just put a little bit of keeper in there just to get it blended and it turns into like ice cream Yeah. because I'll, I did, I did mangoes and strawberries last night because I wasn't very hungry and everybody wanted to make paninis and I was working and I said, I've got to get this article done. So I got to get it to my editor. So I said, you guys just take care of yourself. So they were in there making paninis and I just came in and I took strawberries and mangoes. I had frozen and I just stuck a little bit of kefir in there to give it some liquid. And it turns into ice cream when I think I'm yeah. doing a trick. You could do it with chocolate bananas, you know, cocoa powder, but I'd actually, I've got mine tasting so good that it tastes like, and your taste buds change, by the way. Yeah. Did you know that? Oh they yeah. They shift from meal to meal, depending on what you're eating. So I crave it. It is very filling. And it also helps you sleep, by the way. Kefir is a very, there's a lot of magnesium in it and it helps you to relax you. So it's a great thing if you're struggling with sleep to have one, have a little bit at dinner or something. But I crave it too. I really crave it. And when I drink it, this is sort of hard to explain, but it's more than, oh, this is delicious. It's almost like my whole body kind of responds to it. Like it's, it just feels like it feels buzzy to an me. elixir or something you know yeah they call kefir the champagne of yogurt because yeah. it is more bubbly here's the thing it has a lot of good yeast in it too we don't talk a lot about that most people think yeast are bad yeah but it has a lot of good yeast in it so it gets more bubbly but it's really important because with 50 plus probiotics in it and that includes the good yeast yeah it does so much more than yogurt that it's it's so much more powerful that you do feel the difference now, it can also clean the house in the beginning if you're not used to it. Yeah. Because your body's like, oh, bacteria works in numbers. So the more numbers they have, the more they decide who's going to dominate. 
So when kefir gets inside of you and it gives you all these billions of probiotics, it's like, okay, well, let's get rid of this guy. Let's get rid of this pathogen. And so it cleans house. Do you know what I'm saying? So it will flush yeah. out some of those non-essential or the ones that are, aren't as good for you that are harmful and because it wants to dominate. I mean, if we could understand what's going on, I mean, we're a hundred trillion bacteria. We're more than cells in our body. We're bacteria. We're just like a sack of bacteria walking around. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. But people think we're a bunch of cells, but we have 10 times the amount of bacteria than we do cells. Well, hopefully, if we're healthy, right? A lot of us are missing a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, a hundred trillion. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. two stack canning jars on top of each other. A hundred trillion is to the sun and back, but to get it, that's 10 trillion. You get a hundred trillion, you got to go to Saturn and back five oh my times. God. So oh my that's, gosh. Like, that's how much bacteria you are. But here's the deal. I mean, they were placed in you and around you for a reason. They keep you well. I mean, you know, they, it was interesting. They took some homemade probiotic type vinegar dressing and they put salmonella on a salad and they put this probiotic dressing on that had, um, it was a homemade like apple cider vinegar that had probiotic in it and it killed the salmonella wow. on the salad. So the people didn't get it. And that happens to you on a regular basis. There's bacteria all around you, but if you have enough good bacteria, you don't get it. Mm, so, yeah. So Donna, you, you know, you started all this 20 years ago you're really, really ahead of your time in terms of all this microbiome stuff because even the the science, the microbiome science, is really only goes back like ten or fifteen years when they really started making headway on it. You were before all that, and did you even find a lot of stuff written on it then? There was some, but there wasn't very much because yeah. most people didn't like talking about bacteria because they thought when they think bacteria, they think yeah, you know, bad bacteria. That's what they think. That's mm-hmm. instantly where their mind goes. Mm-hmm. But you are more good bacteria. You're 99% more good bacteria than you are bad. And you couldn't breathe without bacteria. Mm-hmm. So there's so much going on with that. They just didn't know, but they were kind of like, well, all you really heard about was antibacteria, antibiotics, yeah. killing every, it all the time because everybody's so worried. Mm-hmm. But if you build up the good bacteria, the bad bacteria can't get a foothold. Do you know what I'm saying? It can't, mm-hmm. it can't do a damage to you because... And that's true of anything, you know. I believe there's more good people in the world than there are people that mm-hmm. want to harm. And I believe in the power of your own bacteria to keep you healthy. But I also know how our bodies are designed. And it's not an accident that we're made this way. And it's everywhere. And only when you lower your resistance to things and you take a lot of antibiotics, and I'm not against antibiotics. I think they've got their purpose. But I do think that you need to always try to rebuild your gut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's bacteria and dirt and nature and soil. That's so important to, you know, when our soil is fertile and live, we're alive because our food comes from that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most important things that we connect with is that not only are we bacteria, but so is our earth. Yeah. And we said this whole science of the microbiome and, and the good bacteria and all the proliferation of bacteria and, and everything and every aspect of life is really, we're just, it's really sort of a new thing that's growing more and more all the time. And especially, or in addition to our understanding of the soil, like you were just saying, and living soil produces living food, which is what contributes to our health, which is what helps us 
thrive and our microbiome grow and all that. So my daughter's 30 and she's my youngest. You go back to the 90s. That was when the use of the glyphosate, the Roundup on our crops began to really accelerate, like particularly grains. And that was also the same time they were telling us that we needed to have like you know, five to eight servings of grains a day and all that kind of things. So the advice, the conventional advice was to really eat a lot of these things that had this chemical on it, this chemical that the use of it was growing all the time. And since that time, I think in, I'm not sure exactly what year, maybe 2010, 2011, glyphosate was patented as an antibiotic. So by that time, for around, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 years, we had been advised to be eating these things, a lot of these things that had been grown with the use of what was essentially a patented antibiotic. So, and then we start seeing all these health problems. Food allergies like Yes. So what I'm curious about is that you never, you really don't hear too many people connecting those dots saying, well, wow, we've been told to be eating basically. An ant- yeah, we demonized the food. Yeah. We told everybody that it was, that it was the wheat that was doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. But it was what we'd done to the wheat. Do you exactly. know what I'm saying? Exactly. I know this is what get, you know, people say, you know, that they have, you know, an allergy to gluten or, you know, they can't tolerate this or that. And I'm always telling people, I can't say, cause I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor, but I say, think about the fact that it might not be the food, but just what you said, it's, but what's been done to the food. And back in the nineties, when my children were little and I saw things happening with their health, I sort of got a glimmer of the idea that, you know, I don't think these grains and wheats and everything that they're telling us to eat so much of it. I don't think it's what it used to be. I just had this little glimmer of an idea. <laughs> and I was a busy mom. I didn't know where to go with it. And, I didn't, and there was no information on it. There was, you know, we didn't have Google. It wasn't where you could just look up like, what the heck's going on with the wheat? You know, it, it just, <laughs> I didn't know how to get that information. It was just an idea I had. And now here we are, you know, going on 30 years later, I feel really affirmed in my suspicions and it's really played out. And, you know, probably what I'm doing today, the podcast is, was probably born way back then when, you know, you're just observing these things and you see these problems arise and all these children, your children's friends that have this or that allergy or they're sick this way and that way. And so I really am an admirer of you that kind of got a grip on this in the early 2000s and just went with it, even even though it wasn't really out there very much. It has really played out that this is a real thing. Well, my daughter was one of those people that got gluten allergies. And that clued me into the way that we make our bread. Yeah. Very different from the way we did it many, many years ago. There used to be two workers to make bread because they would let the breads rise. Basically, they used a culture, like a sourdough culture, to rise the bread instead of these instant yeasts because they didn't have them back then, which is kind of hard on us. The instant yeasts are very hard on the bread because they kind of explode in the body because they're not naturally, they're, they're hybridized and they're made differently. But years ago, they used cultures to rise the bread. And so they would have two shifts for bread workers and it would take seven hours for the bread to rise at least. Mm-hmm. And so then the next ship would come on the next day and then they would make the bread. The first ship would rise the bread and, you know, put it together. And the next ones would bake it. Wheat didn't have all the chemicals on it and things like that. But the process of fermentation, which is, takes about when you have sourdough culture, which is basically flour, water, and salt, and you let it rise and the magic time is at least seven hours. 
I do my bread for 10 to 15 hours. So I let it rise overnight in my kitchen and I use a little bit of sourdough. It breaks down all of those chemicals, just like it does in cultured vegetables. The fermentation process itself breaks down all those enzyme inhibitors that wreak havoc on our gut. It really changes the way that it works in our body. So that was something I found. My daughter could eat, she could not eat gluten, but she could eat sourdough bread or she could eat sprouted bread, which is kind of this similar process because you sprout the grains, which break down all those phthalates and enzyme inhibitors. Because most wheat that has not been sprouted or has not had a culture, you can't access the minerals and the vitamins in it because they're locked up in the, you need bacteria to break it down. And um, so when you're eating regular bread, that's not been used with either sprouted grains or sourdough bread, you're not going to get all of the vitamins and minerals from it because it's locked into the grain and the phylates and enzyme inhibitors won't let you have it. So then that's hard on your gut. Then that makes things go awry. And so we just, the breads that we in this day and age are instant yeast breads that haven't been broken down. So you don't get the nutrients from the grains. So what's the purpose of eating them if you don't do that? Well, the secret is to either get sourdough bread that's been aged for at least seven hours. And a lot of them, I've seen some really good ones in the store now that have been aged for 30 hours. They're delicious. And I've seen them in health food stores too. Um, That's the secret to allow it. And it's so much easier on your gut. Einkorn, which I teach people how to make einkorn sourdough bread. It's fantastic because einkorn is the most ancient grains where all wheat came from, but it it's, doesn't have the allergy problems because it's got different proteins in it. The reason that they changed einkorn, because that was the first original wheat, the reason that they changed it was because they didn't get very big yields or harvest from it. They only got a fifth of the harvest. So they crossed that wheat with goat grasses And then you started getting food allergies from those because people couldn't handle some of the proteins in it. And it really depends on fixing your gut and finding out what works for you. But I've helped thousands of people and seen such dramatic results with either making sourdough, sourdough seems to be the best, or using the einkorn flour, but I use both. So I bake with einkorn, you know, you kind of have to learn. It's a little different. Yeah, it is. But I've experimented with a lot. And there's a really cool bakery here in D.C. for anyone listening who's local. Say Lou, if you haven't tried it. And they source all like local grains from right around this area. Wow. And they do they have einkorn sourdough and they make, I don't think they make einkorn croissants, but they have whole wheat chocolate croissants. Oh gosh, so good. Yeah, it's yes, really you good. have to come next time you're in town. And of course it's all organic and no, mm-hmm. you know, no roundup or anything in oh, any of they're the weeds. Amazing. And it's just yeah. And you know, there's just very few places where you can really purchase that, yeah. bread yeah. with confidence that it's not going to be literally destructive to your gut. It's not as hard to make either. It's right. the most satisfying culture. Okay. So at night, what I do, the only thing that you've got to really do is make sure your sourdough culture is bubbling. So at night, before I go to bed, it takes me seven minutes. I take flour, water, salt, and mix it all together, put it in a bowl, cover it, and let it sit overnight. And in the morning, I bake it. That's how long it takes me to make my bread. And I do it once a week, sometimes twice, if everybody in the house eats it. But sometimes I'll have company, and they'll eat the whole loaf like within five minutes because it comes fresh out of the oven, they all freak out. And I'm like, okay, I got more because I don't. But it takes seven minutes at night for me to put it together, dig in a bowl, and I let it ferment overnight for a long time. Yeah. Make it in the morning. It doesn't take very much time. 
Yeah. And there is nothing in the whole wide world. And I've got a really, really good method on how to make sourdough bread because it rises high. I do it in a Dutch oven. It oh. is just so satisfying to take that oven. You think you're the master baker. It's awesome. You think you're so cool. So <laughs> it's, it, I really encourage people to, you know, at least try it because here's the deal. It isn't just that the bread is good for you and it's, you're going to get all the good benefits from it, but you're putting a piece of you in that bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're putting your heart and your love because you're trying to make something good for yourself and your family or whatever. And that counts. Mm-hmm. There's something about it's nurturing. It's, it's love made visible in your bread. Do you know what I'm saying? Cause you're doing yeah. it because you care about your health or your family's health. And there, it's just such a satisfying thing. We've gotten away from it. If you could just once in a while, make your own look, it just will change your life because mm-hmm. you'll start to see that nothing is more important than really staying healthy. Cause you can't do anything if you're sick. Yeah. And these little things, I mean, you think it's expensive to eat healthy. You should see how expensive doctor bills are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a good point. And, you know what I mean? You just, you don't understand those little things that you do can be life-changing and they have been for me and I've been doing it for 20 years, mm-hmm. but I found a way to do it that it doesn't keep super time consuming because I'm busy. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, I'm curious what you think about slow living. Yeah. Because what you're talking about is slow living yeah. actually. So what does slow living mean to you? Well, honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things that have hurt people's health because 90% of the time when you're eating unhealthy, it's because you're busy and you're tired. Yeah. You don't have time to go do something, but you don't realize that you're tired because you're eating bad. Yeah. (laughs) So when you break it down and when you fall in love with taking care of yourself a little bit and you find simple, easy ways to make it, because you're not going to cook magnificent meals every single day. You're just not going to because we're all busy, but there's something about nurturing your family. And there's something very meditative about making dinner. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to do it, but when I get into it, it is such a, you know, you've got your hands in the food that came from the dirt that you're making for your family to enjoy. And they may not appreciate it as much as of the work that you went into it because they're not doing it. Honest to goodness, it changes you. Mm-hmm. You know, connecting with your food, learning to take care of yourself and keeping your promise to yourself is so life-changing. You guys wouldn't be here if I hadn't done that. If I had, I was so tired. I thought making kefir was a lot of work. And here's what you do to make kefir. You take some milk, whether it's dairy or non-dairy, you put it in a jar, you put kefir grains on it, you put a lid on it, and you let it sit on your counter for 24 hours. That's what you do. Yeah. I thought that was a lot of work. Okay. Because it was just one more thing. But that one thing that I did when I made a smoothie, it was life-changing. It was life-changing. And I, I just, because I started making smoothies and smoothies are fast foods. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they are. And once you start connecting to, you know, I have some really cool grandparents in my background. They lived in Nova Scotia on an island. I had this great grandma and she was this great cook and they did all these things that just used to, I used to sit and watch them be fascinated mm-hmm. by their lifestyle. They would go down the street to Bessie the cow and get milk. And I'm like, yeah. who does that? Yeah. <laughs> you know I was like, this is so cool. My grandma would make the best breads. And, but she lived on an island in Nova Scotia where there was less than a hundred people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would watch her and I would just, nobody else, no, I had three sisters and none of them connected, but I would just sit and think, why is this so cool to me? Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. there was something about it that was nurturing to me because grandma filled the cookie jar. Grandma made homemade breads. Yeah. And the bread in Nova Scotia was better than the bread in Virginia. 
in Maryland, where I grew up. Yeah. But because grandma made it, you know, so grandma cool. made it the old fashioned way. And my, you know, everybody was like, oh, that's too much work. But it was just ground into me that that was important. And I don't know why it was important to me and not everybody else. Yeah. But I think it was breadstones that were paving the way for this. Yes. Why did I collect cookbooks my whole life? And why did I collect dishes? Yeah, yeah. Why did I do that? I didn't know why. <laughs> why did I read cookbooks in the bathtub? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I loved the ones where the people were like, really like grews their own food. I loved that. You know, I had their own chickens. I was going to have my own chickens till I found out the coyotes like the chickens do. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, but you know what I'm saying? I loved that. And I live in a very rural part. I live in, it's called Valley Center, California. It's very, very rural. Everybody has animals. Oh, really? And we have like 10 acres up on a mountain. And every morning I hear goats and cows and horses and I hear them and I think, oh, it just makes me feel connected mm-hmm. yeah. to that part of life that I think is so important. Do you have animals? And do you- I have dogs. I yeah. uh, have a beautiful barn that all my neighbors are mad at that we have this beautiful barn. We don't have animals in it, but it's a lot of work to have yeah. horses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus we have a lot of coyotes. We have a lot of coyotes. Yeah. So the first time they eat my chickens, I would have a meltdown. So, I mean, I know there's ways to go around it, but yeah. We have snakes and so I would like to Sunday, but I'm just too busy and my husband's too busy. Y'all you know, moved not too long ago, right? Weren't you in the Midwest somewhere? Yeah, so I was in Kansas City. We moved here in 2017 to be near our, our kids. Our two older kids moved out here and they started whining and we could do, we were both, my husband and I were entrepreneurs, we could do it, do it anywhere. Yeah. We're like, well, our family, my family's all on the East Coast. Now they think I've lost my mind moving to the West Coast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They think I've moved to, you know, halfway across the world. Yeah. Do you have a garden? Do you, do you grow food? Yes. And my daughter does a huge garden. We have a lot of composting. It's kind of cool. Now they've done this thing where the, our, the people that pick up our trash are now have, we have compact bins. Huh. So everybody in the neighborhood, everybody here, this area now gets their compost in the thing and they take it and use oh my it. Gosh. That's so exciting to me. Love California. Yes. That's, yeah. what, that's so yeah, cool. I mean, you guys, it, it's, it's so wonderful. Like I did all these pomegranates the other day. I had all these things. Sometimes I have to be careful with my gardens because I have to raise them because I have, I have so many creatures here. I had never seen a roadrunner until I moved out here. They're the coolest things ever. <laughs> but I have a lot of squirrels we have an orchard so I have a lot of fruit trees a lot of fruit trees so they take a lot of time but I have a lot of excess so being able to compost a lot of that and I have some compost but this is just I think that's one of the coolest things that California's done yeah is for people to put it back into the earth yeah that's a great segue into our next question which you've referenced it many times but I'd love to hear what the good dirt means to you. Oh, I think that's so important, guys. I think that's so much where our, I mean, the cells of our body are made from the foods we eat, right? So whatever we're eating, if that soil is rich in nutrients and minerals, and we've lost a lot of that through the years, it changes everything in your gut microbiome. I really watched my daughter got a garden about a year ago. She just brought me over some lettuce and uh, she's brought peppers. And every week I get something new and she has a big swap meet where I have so much fruit that we can't eat it all. No, I really do try, but she'll take some of my lemons or my grapefruits or my orange. Mm. We got tons of them and swap them for other things and brings me them. Oh, I love that. Cause I get all kinds of stuff from their gardens. And then I give them stuff from my orchard and my daughter's been growing stuff like crazy. I actually just got my sister who lives in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, a gardener's basket it's one of these long baskets where you can fill up vegetables in. Mm. And she just got a whole bunch of butternut squash from her compost pile that automatically grew out of it. 
Yeah, that happened to us last year. She had like five of them in this basket I got her. But I think that having good soil, guys, it's everything. I believe that disease starts when the soil starts to get bad and we start to miss the nutrients we need. And then pathogenic things can take over because the soil's not healthy. Then we eat it. We don't get the things we need. And then we get sick and it just starts from there. Do you know what I mean? I think we're all in this together with the soil and our bodies and our food. And we're just not paying attention because we're just used to going to the grocery store. And nurturing the soil is so important because that's where our lives and our bodies are made from, from the foods that we eat and the animals and that they consume, what they're consuming out there. It's just so important that we take care of our soil. I'm so excited that they gave me a compost bin. You can't, it's just so stupid. You know, and the ants will get in it sometimes too, but I've gotten a special place. My husband's, we're going to have a mess because our compost, well, we have so, the ants love it, but I'm like, I said, well, we've got a special place for it, but I think, I hope this spreads. That's what the good dirt is all about. What you just said, good dirt in the ground, in our bodies and taking care of our food waste and just making the cycle complete and all of that. It's not hard either. You're just throwing away your leftover eggshells. Oh, and it's a huge problem. I mean, food waste is a tremendous problem. People aren't really uh, aware of how big of a problem it is. They talk about, you know, methane gas. Uh, contributing to climate change. Yeah, methane gas from our food that's in landfills. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the yeah. biggest producer of methane gas, more yeah. than cows yeah, or good. whatever. Yeah, it yeah. is. I want you to speak to fermented foods as a way of preservation. Do you can foods as well? And what do you see are the advantages or disadvantages of fermentation over canning? Because I think most people, when they think of preservation, they think of canning these days, the ball jars and all that. So what would you say about that? Well, I used to can when I was younger, but you lose your enzymes when you can because mm-hmm. you're heating it to such a high degree. And fermentation, for instance, okay, so I just made this recipe called Wisdom Crow. Mm-hmm. It's sweet potatoes and zucchini and onions and an apple. And you shred it all up and you put it in a jar and you put a culture in it and salt and you let it sit for a few days to ferment and then you stick it in your fridge. And guys, it lasts nine months in the fridge. Yeah. Perfectly preserved because there's so many probiotics. And that's the case with most cultured vegetables. They're nine months in your fridge. Now, if you have a cold cellar, that's great. The only problem with fermentation is that you need room in your fridge or a cold cellar someplace. But the other thing is, is that I think that fermentation is safer than canning because you can't get botulism from it because you never heat them, but you get those valuable enzymes that we all need to help us digest our foods. And I know I used to can with my mom, but I couldn't stand doing it in the summer. It's too hot, especially here. Yeah. <laughs> so I really, I haven't done it in years just because I just ferment everything, but I have like five refrigerators. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Big little ones. And I do do a lot of weed pretty fast. So, but I do think that the living probiotics and enzymes that you get in them is so important. And I love the fact that it doesn't just preserve the food, it preserves you. Yeah. Yes. If you eat it, it puts that in you. Mm-hmm. So that's such a good way to put it. And I just think it's just, you know, spread the word that fermentation is perfectly safe. You're not going to poison your family. I can give you a link to that too, to give you Yeah, all the for sure. And then yeah. if you have room to store it, it still lasts nine months. And yeah, you might not have the canned goods in the pantry for five years or whatever, but it's a wonderful way of preserving your food. And if you're like us, we pretty much eat, you know, like we preserve something 
it doesn't last a year, you know, it, yeah, cause we're going to so tasty. We're going <laughs> to eat it before it's time's up. In other words, especially like, you know, I make a version, which of you, what you call your wisdom crowd, I call it fermented slaw. It's just a bunch of, you know, cabbage and carrots and stuff. And, um, it doesn't last. I mean, we eat it, you know, I think, Oh, this is going to last like, you know, months and you know, it's gone in two weeks, but <laughs> that's what it's for. It's so so it's okay. <laughs> I have this one cherry tomato recipe that I cut cherries and have it with garlic and basil and salt and just cover it with water and a little culture. And in two days, you have the most delicious bruschetta topping. Oh, it's so good. And it literally takes, my husband makes it, which is like a miracle of God, because he, he won't even use a blender. But he'll cut, he likes it so much, he'll cut up those tomatoes and make bruschetta, because he likes them. And then we'll put it on sourdough toast with like goat cheese or something. Oh my God. Oh, oh my gosh. So, Getting hungry. so good. Especially with cherries tomatoes are in season so is that in your on your website is that in the biotic yes. pro yes. section which no, is it's for everybody oh everybody my gosh that. okay i've got a little video of it so that's for you guys i have like over 350 60 recipes that are free yeah and yeah. i have probably that much for biotic pro plus i give them ebooks every month i've pretty much given everything free that you need to know how to do and then the, just the extras I give to my body pro, but I have a lot of information I know. on there for everybody. So that is culturedfoodlife.com? Yes. Yeah. Donna, this has been so much fun. I feel like we could talk all day. Is there anything else before we sign off here that you want to leave with our audience that you want people to understand about the work that you do or anything else you'd like to leave with us? The number one thing I would want to say is, just don't go through your life not feeling good because you just don't know what you're missing. When you feel good, everything in your life will dramatically change. And if you wind up having a website and writing books, it's not my fault. That's just what happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It does. It, it is a side effect mm-hmm. that when you feel good, it opens up your heart and all you want to do is give. So because you want other people to feel like you feel. Yeah. They feel that way. They change the world. That's how you change the world. You change you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You change you. I've never thought about it, but that really reminds me of sort of what happened with Lady Farmer is my mom started, my parents had this, that, we're going to go get a little bit of land and do things a little differently. And then we were like, we want to talk about this and share it with everyone. So. Because yeah, it made you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where we all have special gifts. Yeah. All of them. You have a gift that I don't have, and I have one you have. And so we each contribute the things that we love and do. It's so true. It makes everything better. And when you feel good, you do good. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, because when you don't feel good, you're you're just going to fast food. But the soil and good food and learning how to take care of yourself is everything. Yeah. Amen. uh, Makes you love your brother more, you know? Yeah. It does. (laughs) Makes you love your brothers and sisters more than you would if you didn't feel good. So. So true. The way you're sitting and the thing that's over your head in the background. Oh, yeah. It looks point. like a halo. Yeah, it does. So I, 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 I've been sitting here speaking to an angel yeah. for the last hour. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today, Donna. This was so wonderful. I can't wait to share this with the world. Yes, and as always, you're so full of information and have so much to teach all of us. And you have taught me personally so much. So I think thank we need, you. We might need to have you back sometime. Too. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. So Thank you so much for your time today, and we will be in touch. Okay. Thanks a bunch, you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Good Dirt. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. 
If you did, we really hope that you will share it with a friend who might also appreciate it and learn from it. And we're just so grateful to you for being here. If you want more things Lady Farmer and Good Dirt, you know where to find us in the Almanac, which is our private membership community. All of the information on that is on our website, ladyfarmer.com. And yeah, we'll see you next week. We can't wait to spread more good dirt with you. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.